What's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the Go Long Show at GoLong, GoLongTD.com. We are 100% fueled by our readers, our listeners. So thank you to everyone who has subscribed and joined the community at Go Along. And of course, over here in the podcast wing, our good friends at Fatty Beer Company lend a hand, which uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get around to a live hangout, Jim. We will. It's been an interesting four days, and we haven't done a podcast in a while. So I apologize, everyone. Uh, it's great to see you, Jim. How in the hell you been? Tyler, pretty good. Been been nice to see you talking in person and not reading about you and <laughs> all the in, in the madness. But you know, it's funny, Tyler. We've done this show so many times now, and you know, I, you know, I have a love for reality TV, and you've made fun of me a little bit, and I find myself feeling a little bit a part of reality TV with you and, and the Buffalo Bills a little bit right now, and, and we're you stirred it up, you stirred up drama. And I think it's time we address it um, because I saw the angle you were coming from. And I see the angle that Sean was coming from um, in his press conferences. And I would like to talk about maybe how I would feel if I was Brandon Bean sitting on that side of it and reading that about a man that I work with closely, like, you know, how Bean must have felt. I'm not going to say how he felt. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I can just tell you how guys have each other's back, quote unquote. I know that's kind of the theme that they came out with, but that is the mentality in football, which you know, and, and we'll get into all that good stuff. But anyway, I do want to talk about football, the positive stuff, the good stuff with the Bills that's going on, because as you know, I've been invested in the Bills this year and I'm still thinking they have a chance and chances are improving. Lot Long way to go to your point and more point to your story that, and this is how I'm going to take it, Tyler, and you can take it from here a little bit. When you have Josh Allen, when you have the franchise quarterback, that's the goal that you're looking for in the NFL. It is on you to prepare and be healthy for the NFL playoffs. You should not be having to do the old win out or we need help scenarios when you've already been there. You've established that you're a playoff team. So this isn't where the Buffalo Bills want to be right now but their goal is still ahead of them. And I'll leave it at that. And then we'll talk more about the whole story, but I wanted to see where you were at after this bills game, where you see them right now. I don't even know where the hell to start, Jim. I've yeah, been getting I a lot of that. questions. I want to start with yeah, Sean um, or the bills. I, I think I'll start with timing. I, we, we got that question many times on the happy hour and many times on, social media platforms that have devolved into, as I referenced earlier, a pigsty <laughs> uh, timing. It The story was published, stories, three parts, more than 20,000 words, 25 sources, some on the record, some off the record. And we'll get into all that soon, too. It was published last week because it was finished last week. You know, I wasn't able to whip up all of this immediately after the the loss to Denver. And if everybody's being honest with themselves, I think a team that hoists 
this Lombardi Trophy banner up in the field house before the season, and it's clearly a Super Bowl or bust season for this team after they've gotten so close under Sean McDermott with Josh Allen as your quarterback. I'm not sure many people were expecting six and six losing to the Philadelphia Eagles in in the manner that they did. That 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 was really what got me thinking. This is the time. This is the time because this game, that game, I should say now, past tense. It, it did represent the Sean McDermott era to me. Anyways, Josh Allen plays out of his mind, 400 yards, five touchdowns, throwing the team on his back, leads what should be a game-winning drive, all that, and it's all for naught because the defense melts in a big spot. So they were 6-6 six and six in a jumbled AFC, staring down the barrel of Kansas City, now Dallas. Interest was high. And I kind of get into all of this in, in a column at the website. Maybe you've already read it by the time you're listening to this podcast. These palace intrigue type of stories, Jim, are typically written after a coach is fired, after a quarterback is gone, right? That, that, that's when the, the local writer, the national writer, whoever it is, unloads the notebook, so to speak, on that subject and says, here's how bad it really was. I knew all along, and now I'm going to let you know. T- to me, that that's and – and I've done those stories. Tr- don't get me wrong. But I've also done these stories that go along in real time because I think that's what the reader deserves. I think interest is highest right now in the moment. In the Buffalo Bills, in this current moment, we, we did something similar on the New York Giants two years ago with Dave Gettleman. Mike Zimmer and his Minnesota Vikings. That was one of the first series we launched to go along with in November, December of 2020. It's going to make some people uncomfortable, right? I mean, if we're, you mentioned reality television. I agree. Pro football is the ultimate version of reality television. Ultimate. Look at Sunday night. Hell, Kadarius Tony, if he's not offside, if that play counts, it's a much different scene post game. It's a much different narrative post game. It's not win one for Sean. It's another defensive meltdown with another nickname. But that's why we love football. It's it's decided on the fringes. It's decided by one penalty, one inch here, one inch there. And I, I think if we're gonna if if I'm gonna deliver reality to our readers, to our listeners, Jim, I'm not going to not include the bad, not include the ugly. In this case, the very ugly. Okay, that was 474 words of a 21,000-word series, the the 9-11 speech. I'm no dummy. I I knew that that would catch on because, hello, it's not very common for a head coach to point to the 9-11 hijackers as a model for communication and team building and a training camp. But as I wrote, like it it wasn't a pro-terrorist stance. Rather, that speech revealed... Sean's worst tendencies, his biggest weaknesses as a coach, you know, communication, not seeing the big picture, right? All, all of that stuff. So, yeah, that's probably one takeaway here, I think, is if you're interested in how pro football really works, then we're for you, right? I, if, to those who read the series, that's why I want to have these happy hours. Come on, ask me anything you want. We'll get into anything and everything 
Trust me, there is a lot left on the cutting room floor that we can explore as well. We had one. We'll do another this week. I'm an open book. But to those who are just kind of letting it rip and blasting away, that it it freely admit they didn't even read anything, right? Like, they didn't want to invest $8 into reading this, um, yet they have a very strong opinion on timing, on the choice of one anecdote that was amongst many, many, many anecdotes. To those people... I, go long isn't for you then. If if you just want to slosh around in the Twitter X mud, you know, if you're a if you're a bro that wants to be spoon fed 15 second clips of players dancing in a Friday walkthrough, right? If you if, if that's the reality that you want to create for yourself, stay in that reality, right? Fool yourself into thinking everything's perfect all the time. Please. But if you actually want to learn, right, if you if you want to go behind the scenes and hear from people who have strong opinions all over the place, conveniently omitted from much of the analysis out there, Jim, is also you know Patrick DeMarco, a team captain, Taiwan Jones, a team captain, Lee Smith, a locker room leader, Isaiah McKenzie, Naeem Hines, all several players it, 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 in detail explain why they did like Sean McDermott and why they think he did need to coach the way he was coaching early on. And as Isaiah kind of broke down, like he, he believes he evolved over time. So he's a complicated guy. There's a lot of layers here to, to get into, which is why it was 20,000 words. Um, I guess that's the first point I wanted to make, Jim, though. Like, you just got me thinking on the reality TV aspect of it. Like, I I get it, and I get it. it it's It kind of deviates from what's on people's twitter feeds right because what's on your twitter feed especially now i've covered the nfl since 2011 so that's 13 seasons i've seen this trend you know it's it's kind of aligned with the advent and the growth of twitter where most twitter feeds if like you're a fan of a certain team it's going to be full of like pandering bullshit really a lot not everybody there's nice i said this in the column too there are i've got a lot of friends in this business that do a hell of a job including in this market right here in Buffalo. There's also a lot of people that just, you know, they're looking for, they're looking for 500 likes on a video and to be retweeted and shared. And they've got no interest in exploring how this league truly works. So yeah, if you are interested, we're, we're here for you. And this, this thing, this is going to continue. Like I'm going, I'm going to pursue these kind of stories, pursue the humanizing player profiles that we have, the Q&As, the columns, the podcast, all of that. If, if anything, Jim, these last four days have crystallized why Go Long exists. Like, th- this is why we exist, because I, I think that these stories are important to the reader. And to those who read it, I like to think they agree with that, with that idea, even if they do disagree with some of the points made, which is why I'm open to having that conversation. But to those, there's so many tells too, Jim. Like, before I just started, you know, completely ignoring everything out there. Like there were certain tells that people would throw out there that indicate like they clearly didn't read like the preview before the paywall, let alone the whole story, let alone the whole series. One is, Oh, 25 anonymous sources. Well, that's wrong. There were a lot of anonymous. I'll agree, but that's wrong. You know, in addition to those players, I talked to Brett Favre for an hour about Josh Allen, why he's basically today's Brett Favre, Josh Allen. It is Mitchell Trubisky. Kurt Warner, Joe Theismann, the players mentioned, like 
You're like, get out of here with that nonsense. You clearly didn't read it. And you know what the other tell was, Jim? When somebody says, oh, you're just relying on your source, Jim Monas and Doug Whaley and Isaiah McKenzie. Those are the leaks. Those are the sources. Like, A, Isaiah McKenzie only had glowing things to say about Sean McDermott exactly as he did on our podcast for two years, right? B, if anybody listens to this podcast, you know that Jim Monas here, who, yes, and I want to get into this relationship, and I'll I'll shut up and give you the floor here in a second, but you and Doug Whaley led the interview process that led to Sean McDermott becoming the head coach. Sean McDermott gets to a point where he wants to be aligned with his own general manager and build his own structure. Jim here, I'm going to put some words in your mouth, has said repeatedly that that was a good thing to do, that a lot of teams do that. They turn the page. You've also referred to the Buffalo Bills as Super Bowl contenders more times than I can count. You are all in on this team. Um, you're going to get into what you do like about Sean McDermott, the coach. So, and Doug, Doug Whaley, I think I've talked to, the last time I talked to Doug Whaley was when he came on a happy hour like three years ago. Okay. So there, there you have it. Um, but yeah, that was another tell. So yes, if, if you do want to invest the eight a month, 50 a year to read this series and more to come, great. And I am so grateful for all of those people that you have no idea because it's been phenomenal to see our community grow and go along the last four days. Um, you know, I, as much as I want to just sling mud at those living in the mud, like that is so microscopic compared to just the gratitude. It's unbelievable. I'm, I'm blown away to see that even in this Twitter world where everybody is kind of piecemeal in their news throughout the day. So many people stopped everything they were doing to read this series. It's pretty awesome. And that's, that, that's why go long exists. I mean, it's just an idea on a sheet of paper, unless people actually bust out the credit card to invest in what you're putting out there. So awesome. Thank you. And we are here for you. And it, it it's been a completely invigorating uh, to, to see it grow. But anyways, Jim, yes, your thoughts on anything after all of that? No, it's funny because I appreciate we talk about, like, if I was a source or whatever, I I didn't work with Sean. I'm, I wasn't really, you know, I only worked with Sean for a couple months after we hired him. So I I would have no idea what's going on. Um, that being said, it made me, in watching Sean handle this and what he's going through even since we've hired him, it just took me back to the process and what it, you know, I'm thinking about what his vision was for the Bills when we interviewed him, how prepared he was. Let me just start with when we put the list together and how I can just tell you that when his name was on the list, the Pagulas, he was going to be our first interview. And when they started looking through the candidates, they weren't real blown away by Sean as first on the list. Um, they looked at where Carolina was ranked on defense that year. And I should have looked that up before I told this story, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, Hey, this is the top defense in the NFL. So he's the coordinator. So we're interviewing him. It was that Sean, Sean has put the time in where the NFL had a program where you can do practice interviews to become a head coach. So we were, you know, Sean did that. Um, so he was on a, he was in a book of, you know, guys that were, you know, trying to knock down, you know, get their first crack. Um, 
Then, then we do, Doug Whaley and I do our little research that we do, knowing who we know in Carolina, a couple phone calls. Hey, we got positive feedback from players for Carolina, people that worked in the building. So, and I had a history of Sean, not who we were ever tight. Let's just call it like that. Sean and I were never tight at all. I didn't work, we didn't work long enough together in Philly to be tight. But what we did was we always saw each other over the years in the NFL, like we all do at the Combine. And we'll probably say hi, might see him at a pro day, always stay in touch with him. I knew Sean from the start and his passion for coaching and knew that this was his goal from when I met him back in 2001, 2000, whenever it was, might have even been 99. Um, Point being is I was sitting there with an opportunity to put together an interview list or, or help put an interview list together for a head coaching job. Sean and I came in together. So here I am accomplishing my goal. He's on the, he's on the doorstep to trying to get to his goal. Of course, he deserves an opportunity for an interview. Let's see what he's got. You know, I didn't eat. This was a, this was all new to me too. So I basically was like, Hey, I'm getting ready to go through this with Anthony Lynn, with Chris Richard, with Jonathan Goodwin, all the players we are the, uh, or Harold Goodwin. I misspoke Harold Goodwin. Um, the guys we interviewed. It was a journey for me. I never interviewed a head coach before. So I got to learn pretty well too, but the questions involved, Sean was so prepared and, and it was, and then after the interview, we watched his practice interview just to see how it looked compared to what, after we met with Sean um, as well with the Pagolas, we watched it and he was, he improved so much. Like you can see how hard he was working at going through the process that was just the interview process. You knew you knew he was going to go the extra mile to get the building right, get it structured right. And now we'll bring it full circle a little bit to what I do admire about Sean. Anybody that's had to fire somebody, it's one of the hardest things you ever have to do. And for him to have to turn around and fire Doug Whaley and myself, I know for a fact that had to be gut-wrenching for Sean. That's not easy to do. He gave us those five months working together from January to May. He gave that time to see if it could gel, to see if we could see his vision for how he wanted things structured. It didn't happen. He made the tough call to say, Terry, I need to move on and bring in my own, you know, and go after the GM that I, you know, that I want to work with. That's not easy. Another thing he did out of respect after they made the playoffs that year, his first year, Doug, he sent Doug Willie and I a text, making sure to thank us and let us know we were a part of that roster. It couldn't have done it without us. That meant a lot. Whether or not it look, it doesn't doesn't help you get a job, doesn't get you the next paycheck, doesn't hide some other things. But it does show that Sean thinks about things and cares. And I, I always thought that about Sean. He from day one, it was he was business every day. Um, he was easy to work with for us as far as we knew what he wanted routine wise. And the draft showed it. The free agency class showed it from 17. And that's why it's always so frustrating that we didn't get to maybe maybe hit it off better. But as far as what I got to see as far as a, a leader and his detailed in that draft and how passionate he was about talent. I loved his passion for the draft and free agency. Sean doesn't sit there and kid, kid you. He doesn't think he invented football. He knows it's about talent. So that's my positive 
what we saw in Sean Tyler that, and and then Pagula's obviously saw all that, fell in love, and made him the their head coach, and gave him total control, and he will be not fired in Buffalo for a long time, in my opinion. I'll hand it back to you. <laughs> you. You're clearly vindictive and have an axe to grind. Is my takeaway from all of that, Jim? Clearly. I, By the way, we didn't I mean, even like you had no clue I was working on this. Like we didn't discuss no any of this. If anything, I, I told you early in the week how oh man, I was I was going big on the Bills against the Kansas City. Like they're winning this game. This is a big bet of mine. When that story broke, I'm like, oh. Man, could you have told me that? Like, this is causing distraction. Yeah, you know, I was joking around. But that being said, that game didn't go like I thought it was going to go. We'll get into that later. But go back to the whole thing with Sean. Yes, I, that that's my experience with Sean. It was nothing but positive. And it's, what's funny is that draft and free agency reflected, you know, I think a positive experience. I would like to think that that that, that point – was made even in a series declaring Sean McDermott the current problem for the Buffalo Bills, right? I mean, because this place, it was ugly, really ugly. You saw it yourself, and it was even uglier before you got here, Jim. I, mean, I covered Rex Ryan in, in 2015, but I'm, I'm from Western New York. I grew up in in Salamanca, went to Ellicottville, um, and went to college at Syracuse, and Lived in Green Bay covering the Packers for four years, but then came back. You know, Buffalo always has that magnetic pulse. I've, I've been here. I'm familiar with the drought, familiar with how bad it's really been. And, and honestly, it was even worse than I thought. Um, as we wrote in uh, in the series, I don't, I, I never even asked you, Jim, if, if you heard that one where I had heard it with Rex. Um, it got so bad that there was a player that they called to get in the game and he wasn't even suited up. They had to pull him from the Swedes, you know, up, up eating a hot dog or whatever. No, coaches forgot to let him know that he's dressing. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't good. And, and that's why you can understand a militaristic approach initially and understand the slapping process all over the building and trying to get people to buy into your, your culture, all of that. Like he's done a lot of good. He ended the drought to guide the team through the DeMar Hamlin situation. I mean, that's unprecedented. A player, uh, his heart stops on a football field, nearly dies, is brought back to life. And you're the coach of that team. He deserves praise for all of this. He also has Josh Allen as his quarterback. And we've both been kind of skeptical of Josh. I mean, I'm trying to think of when go long first launched when we started doing this podcast and you know, that was 2020, and he really came on in 2020, but you're kind of seeing it for the first time. You're wondering if this can stick. Well, it has stuck. Josh Allen is out of this world. He's, I can't think of anything remotely close to him. In terms of arm strength, it's Favre, which is why I talked to Favre about, you know, the dynamic of a quarterback and a head coach, and he had something special with Holmgren. Allen had something special with Dable, and he loses Dable. It's not really that great of a relationship with Sean McDermott. That's all in part three. So Allen is a freak show and he's 27. Ask any of the best quarterbacks of all time, how quickly those Super Bowl windows can close. And they'll give you stories for days. I mean, Favre knows. I mean, he had a great thing going with Mike Holmgren. 
The Holmgren really stuck his neck out when the coaches actually voted to bench far for Mark Brunel that second year in Green Bay. And Holmgren said, no, what? You got to be yourself. We're either going to get to the mountaintop together. We're going to crash and burn. But he didn't want to. He, he comes from Joe Montana, Steve Young, West Coast offense. He's got his his image for what a quarterback could be. Favre is none of that. And yet he knew how to kind of harness this, this, this gunslinger, this wild stallion, get the most out of him through so many different ways, play calling, um, just play design, yet not not pulling the reins. And Sean McDermott, we all heard him in March declare that the play style of Josh Allen really needed to structurally change. And then we see the games ourselves. You see a defensive coach thinking in a very defensive way at every turn, whether it's playoff games, whether it's big games in the regular season. That's why it was maybe a, a sign of hope in Kansas City. I mean, they're they're throwing late for better or worse. They're throwing. They they were staying aggressive, and then he was aggressive on defense, pressuring Mahomes. That's a good sign. But yeah, that that's the genesis for this too. You you've got Josh Allen. Like, there's no reason this team shouldn't be going on deep postseason runs every year. And when I publish this, they're six and six at a very critical juncture. The head coach is being publicly scrutinized. A lot of questions. I think, I believe that this series hopefully kind of like brought to life a lot of suspicions and theories that fans maybe had. Like they see a tight team in tight situations and they're trying to figure out why that is. You know, I believe these 25 sources kind of explain that. Do you, do you feel that Sean McDermott is the problem, Jim? Let me, let me pose the question to you. I, I clearly do. What do you think? So you just took me through that process. What you just said is what you can't figure out when you are hiring a head coach is Sean McDermott was in Philly with Donovan McNabb. He was in Carolina with Cam Newton, but he was the defensive coordinator. He wasn't coaching the, the franchise quarterback. He wasn't preparing with him for a game. I look back on that and wonder, that's the, that's the ultimate hey, you only find out when you get the opportunity. So this is Sean's real first chance to be face-to-face with a franchise quarterback day in and day out to have those hardcore meetings and dealing with that. And to and your question, I look at, you said Holmgren took, think about this, Andy Reid was Favre's quarterback coach, goes to, goes to the Eagles, takes Donovan McNabb, just like you said. Favre wasn't what they thought for um, their ideal West coast, like play by the book, nice and conservative. Donovan McNabb wasn't a West coast quarterback coming out of college. Andy Reid was able to mold him right into, you know, or molds the wrong word. You know what I mean though? Guide set him up for success and max out his talent based on his knowledge. Then I'm in new Orleans with Sean Payton takes an injured drew Brees, who had an up and down career with the chargers up to that point. The marriage happens. I mean, it just, it, it's when the head coach and quarterback, I, that's what I was a part of. I was, I was fortunate to be a part of all those. I'm not sure we can sit there and say, when, when you talk about more of the Dable Allen relationship, yes. Does that make sense that Dable could be the head coach with Josh Allen as the quarterback? Yes, I get it. That looks more natural to have them, the, off, the head coach is putting the game plan, calling the game plan with the franchise quarterback. 
that's really that's the ultimate structure, I guess, in the NFL. Sean's more the Mike Tomlin, right? I mean, that's the William and Mary. They have the William and Mary connection. They are the defensive-minded team structure, leadership, set leadership by example. Both Tomlin and McDermott are leaders by example as well. They 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 don't get they don't get phased by things. They don't get, you know, they don't come down. They don't have highs and lows. And that, their teams play that way. So I guess what I'm saying is, to your point, you asked me if he is the problem. If the Buffalo Bills do not make a Super Bowl with Josh Allen, I think Sean McDermott was the problem. Right. And we laid out all of the reasons he was the solution for a while. He is. Why the pendulum needed to swing back to a coach like Sean McDermott. Tyler, but some- he's, everything, he's everything you could want to me in a head coach to structure and get a building and a team. He Salary cap, everything. Sean is detailed and, and a part of all that. Every part of that building he is a part of. The business side, the PR side, the weight room, the, the everybody. Sean touches every part of that building. That was part of his interview. That was what he believed in. So saying is he the problem of not winning a Super Bowl with Josh Allen? That's that's the ultimate problem to have. It is. At some point, the calculation needs to change. The philosophy needs to change. You draft Josh Allen, seventh overall. He's unbelievably raw. You know, Brian Dable had been in had been around the best coaches ever before, you know, Bill Belichick, Nick Saban, all that, but you don't really know what he is as an offensive coordinator calling the plays. It's a, a lot of stuff's new there, right? You, you, they did kind of rebuild after ending the drought. So you go six and 10 and then you get some weapons, Cole Beasley, John Brown, and you make the playoffs. And it's clear this dude has got something to him. I think that moment on Thanksgiving day against Dallas Right, where he kind of dropped the ball, busted through some tackles, gets up, signals first down. I mean, that Josh Allen is Buffalo. And that was told to me repeatedly. Like, he isn't cookie cutter. Like, he is somebody that is, like I said, he's going to make dick jokes. (laughs) He's going to act like a little kid. He's a straight up gangster that wants to just run through your face like the stadium is his backyard. Like he's, he's, he's unlike anybody else. He isn't like Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. He's not just going to cuss out a teammate and he's not going to get in the face of his head coach. He's non-confrontational or right? he's a farm kid from fireball, California, right? Like it's just not, not who he is, but that's okay. That that's great. Like accentuate this talent that you have on your team in every possible way. Think through that lens in every possible way. So that means you know, not kneeling when there's 20 seconds on the clock. That 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 means maybe going for it where your where your instinct is to punt. It, that's probably it, right? The Sean McDermott instincts just need to change. You need to realize it's this is Josh Allen's world, and you're living in it. If the goal is to win a Super Bowl, and we just haven't seen that, there's a body of work here that you really do have. If you're the Buffalo Bills, seven years. I mean that that's that's a lot of games, a lot of big games, a lot of playoff moments. So this team will ultimately be judged uh, by by the playoffs. That was a big win in Kansas City. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to undersell it. I think that there were some really good signs. Um, and the AFC could break just right for the Bills. I mean, this team could they, they could miss the playoffs. They could go on a Super Bowl run. The variance is unbelievable here. 
which is why this is the greatest form of reality television, right, Jim? Like, but jo- but Josh Allen gives you that hope. Like in an AFC where Joe Burrow's down and gotcha, I know the Chargers are out, but now Justin Herbert's down and the Dolphins just blew it against the Titans at home, which was wild. Like a lot of people, I went to bed when I'm thinking, oh, there's a few kneel downs away or whatever the case was. Uh, it, it's it's wide open. I mean, the, and the Bills have played the Ravens tough. They're not going to be scared of the Ravens. They've obviously played the Dolphins tough. They beat them. So they could go on a run here, but it's going to take thinking through that lens, thinking through the Josh Allen lens. Again, um, obviously would love it if if you're listening and you haven't read the series. It's at golongtd.com, all of it, three parts. And what we're kind of talking about right now is part three. And he did have, I think when you look at part three, the, the, the takeaway has got to be, it's hard to get that, that coach and quarterback aligned. It ain't easy. Like there, there's egos in pro football, massive egos in pro football. But Bill Belichick is able to basically institutionalize Tom Brady, a sixth round pick. Tom Brady's just going to sign off on everything Bill Belichick wants. Check the box. Like he's, he's fearing for his job. Bill Belichick has everybody fearing for their jobs. Like we talk about Sean McDermott in those meetings. And as one player said, like he'll put you on the spot and ask you questions about the game plan in front of everybody. And that can kind of create some unnecessary anxiety for some guy. Well, Bill Belichick is going to put a video up of you getting your ass kicked uh, for everybody to see. So he, he gets Tom Brady. Tom Brady's just going to do everything he says and buys in. And if Tom Brady's buying in, well, everybody's going to buy in. Boom. Six Super Bowls. Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, a special relationship. They're like family. I mean, you can see it. They, they're in commercials together, all of that. And they've won two. They're going to win more. They're in a really bad spot right now. I mean, they've got some questions to answer themselves, but that's got a potential to be a, a special relationship there. And everybody who's been that I talked to that was around all individuals involved believe Josh Allen had a similar rapport with Brian Dable, that that could have been something special. Now, look, Brian Dable's going through it with the Giants injuries coaching miscues it's it's been a rough year for the Giants they did beat Green Bay last night with Tommy DeVito which give me all of the DeVito family shots over the Taylor Swift shots Jim love it love the De- love the DeVito crew up there uh so he I mean it's it is worth noting that if this league if Super Bowls are won with a special relationship and you potentially had that and then you lost it. Of course, Brian Dable's going to take a job to be the Giants head coach. Josh Allen and Sean McDermott are, are it's not necessarily toxic. I don't think that, you know, they're at each other's necks behind the scene, anything like that. But it's just, it's kind of a non-existent, um, more, more of an empty co-worker kind of situation is the way it was described to me by many people. Uh, maybe that does lead to a postseason run. Maybe Sean McDermott does view this team through the Josh Allen lens, but I don't know. I wouldn't hold my breath, but there's a chance that this all woke everybody up and they realize that this, that that this moment in time could be fleeting because he's got to play the way he wants to play. I mean, if you're trying to sedate Josh Allen, then you're not going to go on that postseason run. Like he can't just be somebody uh, playing Papa shot from the pocket. He's got to be unleashed. Like, and you've got, everybody's got to be on board with that. Uh, We've talked about the window so many times on this show, because I can always go back to that window in New Orleans um, and Philly 
that I was a part of it. I was right in the middle of them, you know, and luckily when in Philly, it was in the, you know, 2001 to 2004 when I was there. I mean, we were losing in the NFC championship, lost the Super Bowl, then the window closes. Um, Saints, we lost to the Seahawks in the playoffs. We lost to the Chargers in the playoffs. With Bree, you know, with those, those were years we were primed to make a run when in between those, you know, we won a Super Bowl or it was, I forget the exact order, but that was the window. And then it closes. And then Saints got another one, you know, they, they opened another window there with, right. you know, that credit. Some great that drafting, is, right? That's, and, a, that's and, another element of this and, talent and acquisition in the draft. That, their 2017 draft, ironically, was, you know, was probably better than, you know, you could make an argument. It was, well, it was better, you know, maybe better than the Buffalo draft that we had. Um, anyway, they revamped it, gave Breeze one more window run. Um, so if it does shut, it can open again. But Allen and Breeze are different style quarterbacks. I don't know. I always wonder when Josh, is he going to age? Like we're talking about the window right now. Yes, to go back to your point, I still think they, you know, I think they can win the Super Bowl this year. I'm invested, blah, blah, blah. Let's make this run. I want to get into the Dallas game um, because you said something, but um, Allen has to stay healthy in order to have that window, get that and get a second window. Like Breeze was able to, you know, we were, Breeze stayed healthy enough to get to that second window opportunity. That's hard to do. You, you, you can't assume you're going to stay healthy. So you better take advantage of the window. Now you talked about a, the spot in Kansas city that the word spot, you know, for a team. And that's why I think Dallas is in a tough spot this week coming to Buffalo. Um, Cause Dallas is the hot. They are hot. They are playing at a high, high level. Everybody knows it, but so is Buffalo. And to Dallas just beating Philly division rival, big, big win. Now they got to travel, play that 425 kind of dark, cold, you know, it's everything just, dark at four, four, four. Oh, it's now. dark. At, yeah, you tell, it, I don't, it, you tell me. It's I four o'clock now, and it's getting dark. Yeah, let's yeah. not let's not do it. Let's not do it's it. Crazy. I'm yeah. Um. Anyway, point being is, I think this is set up for a Buffalo win. That being said, this Dallas team is loaded. They're loaded, so the Bills are going to be. It's going to be another great one. I mean, we're you're you're getting great action right now with Buffalo. Hmm. Great action. Just want to read this this is from part three if if people listening uh didn't catch it one ex-coach believes mcdermott didn't like the fact that dave bull buffalo native could engage in natural conversation with terry and kim pagula quote sean couldn't one coach added he envied that he was deathly afraid of shit what if ownership goes i'm the problem fires me and promotes him he wasn't vocal about it but as the head coach takes veiled shots at allen and press conferences assistants cringe it doesn't make sense to them because at some point, the owners would surely realize they've got a lot more money invested in Allen than McDermott. Quote, and that was something that Sean never understood, one former Bills assistant said. He still doesn't believe that there are only a half dozen guys walking this planet that are franchise quarterbacks. There are literally hundreds of guys walking the planet that could be head coaches in the NFL. You keep poking one of the six, and they're going to replace you and go to pick one of the hundreds that are still walking around out there. One ex-Bill starter put it perfectly. Quote, there's so... There's so many coaches that you can just name and plug in there and they won't be worse. So also this player's quote unquote dream scenario, Jim was for the bills to fire McDermott, keep Bean, and see Bean trade for Dable. He said he'd win a Super Bowl and retire, which is kind of a, as an aside, even everyone who is ultra, ultra, 
ultra critical of Sean McDermott to almost comical proportions, praise Brandon Bean as an excellent communicator, as somebody putting out fires behind the scenes that nobody really knows, nobody really sees, as somebody who has built a damn good roster, as the driving force behind the Allen pick. Uh, So I want to kind of get your take on Bean in, in a moment, but just while we're on Super Bowl windows, quarterbacks and head coaches being aligned that it and I I agree with what you said earlier I I didn't get the sense that ownership is is going to fire Sean McDermott Um, but things change public sentiment can change public sentiment changed in less than 24 hours a lot of fans went from genuinely wanting to learn the series and gather information to Sean McDermott gives a press conference um He's a very sympathetic figure. And all of a sudden we're watching CBS and Tony Romo, Tracy Wolfson, Jim Nance. It's, you know, all, Sean McDermott is the victim now of his own speech comparing players to the 9-11 hijackers. And eventually they got around to Von Miller, right? You know, that wasn't until the second half. They get to Von Miller and, and point out, you know, the guy on the field accused of um, assaulting his pregnant girlfriend. Eventually, eventually CBS got to that, but. You know, not, not until they handle this first with somber, somber uh, rhetoric. I'm just saying, like, if this thing goes sideways, I don't know where it goes. It could go either. It could go either direction. They look really good right now. A lot of those other seven and six teams don't, and they're going to kind of cannibalize each other. A lot of those teams play each other, which kind of works to Buffalo's favor. We'll see how it plays out, but say they either miss the playoffs or they're one and done in the playoffs. Could ownership change its mind? Could Terry Pagula look at it exactly as that coach said? I'm paying Josh Allen $258 million, right? Sean McDermott's making a lot of money. It's hard to always get the figures for coaches. It was like reported eight and a half before the extension. Could be some incentives, you know, per year, I should say. Either way, this isn't the drought era bills. This isn't, we need a head coach and we're going to get the 13th person on our list because nobody wants to come here to coach Trent Edwards, JP Lossman, right? An overpay for Derek Dockery and Langston Walker. And, oh, we don't even know who the hell the general manager is. Like, it's it was a mess. So you're not going to get the best of the best. So that argument that you hear from apologists of, oh my God, Oh, you let Sean McDermott leave. It's a dark age. All right, you're, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be another drought. No, because this, to McDermott's credit, he helped bring the Bills out of that place. They draft Josh Allen, develop Josh Allen. If the Bills job is available, you're getting the best coach on that list. I would think <laughs> instantly. Who is that? I mean, pick your coordinator, pick your assistant. Pick Jim Harbaugh, whoever would, whoever it is, whoever you want. You you could find somebody who's going to maximize Josh Allen, in my opinion, better than the current coach. I think, and you're shaking your head at me. It's okay to disagree, Jim. Look, maybe maybe they turn a tide. Maybe they do go on a postseason run. Maybe it's you know fourth and four on the on in uh in Miami territory in an AFC championship game, they go for it. Josh Allen stiff arms, 
you know, David Long, whoever, and gets it. Right, it, th- things can change. I'm just saying, as it is right now, at, from what we've seen with the body work, clearly, you know, my thoughts. Um, it take it would take guts, right? It would take a, uh, a a change from where ownership is right now, to put it mildly. Tyler, I was able to witness. Sean, for his interview, I talked about it before, but he flew in, say, I forget the exact, just say it was a Tuesday evening. It was, he flew in that evening on the private jet, West Palm Beach, gets there, gets taken right to the Pagula's yacht for dinner. Doug Willie and I were not there for that because the way we set it up was they were going to have dinner with him. Then Doug and I were doing breakfast with Sean. I know that we showed up for breakfast with Sean. And after that, it was like he showed up like he knew he was getting the job as far as he knew that he had a good meeting with Terry and Kim on the yacht that night at dinner. And I saw it firsthand. And that's why I'm telling you, he's going to get every opportunity to exhaust this window. That's how I look at it. Especially now that he made his power move to get Joe Brady, you know, and I see Joe Brady, I think just brought in somebody as well. Um, they, they, I think they added another assistant coach that had worked with Brady before, which means, which tells me Brady has, they're liking the way things are looking. I, I, I kind of like the way some things look too with Brady. Some of the routes we've seen some new, some new route concepts. I think that I haven't noticed before. Especially Josh Allen missed one the other day. Um, we didn't, we didn't really get into it, but he missed That's that. True. That was a beautiful design. That's on the QB. That's not on McDermott. That's not on Brady. That's on the franchise. Anyway, uh, no, I don't think he's going anywhere. Even if it's a debacle, like thirteen seconds, I still think he gives him an opportunity. I wouldn't have said that. I wouldn't have said that before the season. I've changed. It's interesting, Jim. So do you think it's right that he has the right to, uh, to exhaust? Yeah, I do. At the expense of your quarterback getting older when your quarterback plays a one of one style, right? Josh Allen is not going to be able to play this way. Um, which is fine, right? I think you you want him in full. You don't you don't want to change the way he's playing right now. Um, but that that is the downside of it is you've got this window. It's open right now. Go for it. That's what the calculation is. He's he's that good of a coach that we're gonna let him ride it out regardless of how things end. He would have to be. It would it would take a thirteen seconds, and I'm still saying I don't even know that would do it. But it would take something where it is clearly on the staff, on the head mm-hmm. coach. That's the only way I could see it happening. And even then, I don't see it going down. But that's the only way I think it would. Oh, we didn't touch on – you talked about the job Brandon Bean has done. Oh, yeah, the, the GM perspective through so, this all. And and maybe I want to take it back to, to when you and Doug are fired. Right now he's getting his own GM. So I, I was never obviously the GM, but worked right there with Doug and went through it. And the one thing that Doug always talked about, Doug Whaley, always talked about as a GM is you never get to do what you ended up loving. What made you love the position was watch tape and evaluate film and build the roster. When you get in that seat, you're putting out fires. You are, or you're a part of what Brandon just went through, supporting Sean going through whatever that was last week with, you know, everything players too. whatever it is off the field, the GM is going to be a part of those meetings. So 
Yes, he has done not only a great job with building depth, going through injuries. We haven't, when was the last time? We, we're not talking about Milano and Trey White. Great job by Sean and the defensive staff get, keeping them together and playing at a, a good – holding the Chiefs to that many points. That's, that's outstanding. Point being is they have that thing structured right. That tells me that inside, Bean, the roster, Sean, they're getting through things. Whether or not it's – look, we all know there's always – Every family has stuff going on inside. Every family. Right. And that's not going to make its way to the the team produced post game locker room scene. Like that, that, that will not be that. broadcast <laughs> for mass digestion. I, I can promise you there'll be, uh, there's a lot of, we'll, we'll know what happens if there is any. Um, I told you the Christmas list in my word. I, I thought Sean went to number three on the Christmas, uh, the Pagula Christmas wish list it's josh allen number one i think bean is two i think sean might be three but i think sean still has total control bean isn't you know i don't think bean would get sean out of there if that makes sense right I, he doesn't have the authority right That's where... the authority or the one two i think terry i think that would straight come from terry and i just man i saw the love affair Playoff games, big games, even even like a, a regular season finale. Think of Detroit beating Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers' last game. That that was a driving factor in Green Bay finally moving on and kicking off the Jordan Love era. I mean, big games, big moments tend to drive these decisions and drive the seismic organizational changes. So I I do think it's a it's a little premature for for anybody to say either either way, right? So because when this series came out Thursday, uh so Adam Schefter, Rex Ryan, Randy Moss, they're all and Samantha Ponder, they they talked about it for like a full segment. Adam Schefter said that he talked to people around the NFL on on Thursday and Friday that did not think Sean McDermott would even make it to the game Sunday. Right. So maybe internally as the bills put out there, it was this office joke. It wasn't a joke to other people outside of Buffalo to reference uh, one of the absolute worst tragedies we'll ever see in our, in our lives and in, in anybody's lives, nearly 3000 people dying at the hands of terrorists. Um, you know, think of any other businesses, CEOs at like town halls or all hands meetings, like using a reference like that, like change changes are made. So around the NFL, that was a sentiment. I'll just, but my point being like, whether it's that extreme, getting rid of a coach right now in the season, right. That, that that's not happening just as I think it's a little premature to say, oh, he's good for 2024. Yeah. He's, he's safe. Like maybe that's what's being put out there, but th- things change in the NFL. In this this form of reality TV, things can change. One thing I feel like with the NFL, it is the most powerful locomotive train, whatever you want to say, nothing is going to stop it. A comment, a coach doing cocaine on his desk, he gets another job. Uh, a coach gets a DUI. He, they get another. It, it, nothing stops. Things happen. 
you deal with them right or wrong in, in the NFL and probably a lot of powerful businesses, but I've been a part of it. And I'm just telling you, and it just, the train keeps moving. The players like it or not, they know when to bite their lip, when they want to talk about something and how they want to say it now in public, but they know those paychecks are good. It's a profession. You can't let personal interfere with the profession. It's going to keep moving. So my point of that was it's going to take a performance in my, the performance of the head coach for Terry Pagula to want to move on. Not, not necessarily a misinterpreted comment um, or how they want to. Oh, I agree. Yeah, I know. But it's it's going to factor in consciously or subconsciously like that. Now. Yeah. It's out there. And it's not just that, you know, like I said, that was one. That was just one part. I know. I know. But there's a lot more that maybe people were unaware of uh, several players, several coaches. I'll give you another thing. If, if somehow the quarterback did come out, <laughs> if the quarterback did have an issue with the head man, and I'm sure he would only do that behind closed doors, but that maybe would drive it as well. That's the stuff. Yeah. And that's a good point because it's not in his makeup. It, it is the way friends and teammates describe Josh Allen. He, he isn't one that is going to ball up a fist, slam the table, and demand his team sign a guy, draft a guy, you know, d- do anything. Let let alone say get this coach out of here. It's not, and, and that's admirable out of somebody in that position. One player that I that I spoke to said that he's he's on Josh. Say, hey, you've got to throw the uh, proverbial genitalia on the table once in a while, right? Like you're you're Josh Allen. You you've got a little say. Got the contract. He did say in his answer, it was an interesting answer after the game, asked about this week for Sean McDermott. And obviously he had his back and great things to say about him as a human. I think I think he said, you know, you can question coaching methods. I'm paraphrasing or my my decision making. So I I do I gotta think that Josh Allen has questioned the coaching methods around here. At what point does it get to a point where he wants to do something about it? All right. I hope everybody has a chance to check out the series in full. You'll definitely get a uh, a greater sense for everything that we've hit on here. Jim, I don't want to cut you short. Is there anything else that you wanted to dig into? No, that was well covered. Well done by you. To, hey, you, you, just, you just reported things that were told to you. Job well done. Hey, I, I have no problem if if anybody out there wants to say whatever they want to say. I, mean, I really do not care because most of it is coming from a, a place from people that didn't even read it. But if you read it, you've got some thoughts. That's why we'll do another happy hour. Come on, ask ask me anything. And yeah, that, that that's the goal of, of this site. It's it, it is to help explain how this game really works. And there's a lot of different ways to do it. All right, Jim, what would get your... you You've done a, night, a better job than... Uh, it's a lot harder defending Cyrus Quanjo's draft selection sometimes than um, I, I kind of relate to what you got. Misinterpret or everyone say, I had my reason. We had our reasons why we thought <laughs> it was going to work out. It didn't work out like we said. Sometimes things just don't get interpreted right. Well, you know, the people... <sighs> like the, na- the nastiest comments and threats that are out there are they're coming from people who didn't even the, put the, in the time to read it. So to I me, their I, opinions don't mean anything. I just don't, I don't care. 
that's so that's I still fine. think about like to your point i i still think about kwanjo's length and the fact that he dominated yeah. at the highest level in the sec and how in the world does he it's all out of nope he didn't move well enough to your back to all that it just sometimes things they just don't turn out not to yours i'm just saying like i it's amazing how things get misinterpreted it's just kind of the, the, the business, you know, like they say in Godfather, this is the business we've chosen. Like, yes, there are a lot of people who did read everything that had been emailing me and texting me and DMing me like, oh, like they're so frustrated on my behalf saying, man, everybody's just talking about the 9-11 story. Like, um, why aren't they talking about all this, this other stuff? I even had a player reach out to me and say, like, I kind of wish people were talking about this other stuff more. Uh <laughs> And his experiences with this coach, that's just kind of what, that's just kind of the world we live in. And I, I knew that going in, this isn't the first time and it won't be the last time, you know, one anecdote, one detail is what ends up on, well, I mean, might be the last time it is to this extreme. I mean, Saturday Night Live referenced it, which is nuts. Uh, but it, that that's just, that's just what happens. Like, cause things are aggregated and easily shared and it just, it gets pumped into the atmosphere and it takes off. We'll say though, I do think a very healthy amount of people actually did make their way to go along to read in full. And for that, I'm grateful. All right. We could definitely talk about this many, many more hours and we probably will through the, the rest of this season. Thank you everybody out there for reading, for listening. We, are incredibly grateful for it. Jim, let's uh, do this again soon. Eh? Sound good? Great weekend. Dallas.